Oh hey, I'm glad you're here. We interrupt season eight to give you one of our mini episodes. And this is a fun one with a wonderful guest. But I made an error. I know, I'm only human. There's so much to talk about with the film Redline that I didn't say the synopsis. So I'll do that up top. A prostitute, Yvonne Sio, or Sayo, sorry, helps a U.S. smuggler, Rutger Hauer, evade assassins and seek revenge upon his traitorous partner, Mark Dacascos, in Moscow. So there you go. It's a sci-fi sort of thriller action revenge film. Uh, it's only on DVD, but you can find a great-looking version on YouTube, and you should. That's all. I just wanted to include that synopsis, so without further ado, here is VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. Hello, and welcome to VHS Presents New Releases and Late Returns. This is a bonus episode where we break format of a film and a profession portrayed within it, and instead champion our current favorites in all walks of entertainment and take a late return to a forgotten gem. I'm your host, Dirk Marshall, and of course, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at VHUS underscore podcast, and please do. Now, I can't do this alone, so my guest for this episode is Josh Griffith. Thank you for sitting through me pretending that you can't hear all the things I'm saying. It, that's no problem at all. I, I really appreciate being on the show. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to finally have you here because you're part of the Solid Six podcast, uh, a podcast I appreciate, and I've been lucky enough to have the other two uh, of your co-hosts on, so this is a real treat to round it all out. Mm-hmm. But for anyone listening that maybe hasn't heard of Solid Six, or maybe this is their first episode of this, could you please tell people what Solid Six podcast is and where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So uh, first of all, we're available on pretty much every uh podcast streaming format, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just anywhere you get podcasts, we're probably on it. Um, The format is, it's basically three friends talking about movies and every, it's a double feature, one movie a week and the cast rotates features and themes. So typically the movies are built around a theme, whether it's like seventies outsider mob movies, which we covered some while ago or science fiction of the Soviet union. Um, so like the themes, themes change per the host and we have a lot of fun. Sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's really goofy and, uh, we always have a good time making the show. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Uh, you have probably my favorite picks as your recent duo was sharks. And I love movies where things eat people. Yeah. I'm also a huge monster movie fan just in general. Um, like whether it's nature's monsters or kaiju films, or supernatural monsters. I love oh, yeah. monster movies in all their shapes and sizes. And I think we also have a shared love for uh, post-apocalypse films, I think. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think you really liked, uh, what was the, the, oh gosh, I blanked on it now, but the futuristic arm wrestling movie? Was it Hands of Steel? Oh my God, yeah, uh, yeah, Hands of Steel. <laughs> well, like, it, basically I came to Hands of Steel very indirectly. There's, I have, I have no problem admitting my many blind spots in cinema. Oh, yeah. we Lots of movies I haven't seen, but uh, I kept noticing in this um, Instagrammer that I follow the Hands of Steel poster in the background, always yeah. in the background, like, what is this movie? And then I kept looking it up and thinking like, okay, it's Italian sci-fi, so it's going to be pretty corny, but I had no idea how entertaining it was going to be. So Hands of Steel, like, yeah. Yeah. Really, That's so good. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, all right. Well, that brings us to the new releases section of new releases and late returns. And we usually start with print. So anything in print that you're currently enjoying, be it a zine, comic book, actual book. 
Oh, um, let's see. So uh, Illuminate is the name of the book. Basically, there are these two authors who have spent their life, their, most of their careers in uh, illustration and marketing, and they've been making uh, a basically a, a spiritual guide to the opera of presentations. So every time an organization or uh, even like performers want to pitch something, they have to go through this like emotional arc, almost like kind of like the telling of a movie, sort of like a classic hero's journey kind of thing. And I've been reading it and I've been enjoying it. I'm not sure that it necessarily applies to my work 100%, but it does pretty good. And I've been enjoying it. I'm very interested. And, and for people, could you just say what your profession is? Because it's pretty fascinating to me. Uh, I'm a jack of all trades that works for a science museum. So yeah. basically my, my job title is exhibit operations strategist, but what that means is very vague. So I'm more or less the guy that makes sure that the show goes on. Uh, I work with trucking companies. I work with uh, all kinds of labor and technical vendors. I have to go through all of the, I have to make sure, I have to make sure that everything in the exhibit functions. Uh, which of course is a uh, never-ending war because the visitors are always destroying the exhibits and then I'm always <laughs> building it up the next day. It's kind of like a Sisyphus inside a museum. But I'm also in charge of uh, getting the exhibits in the door and then back out the door. So whatever the museum needs in order for the show to go on is what I do. Yeah, I uh, my <clears throat> wife's food business uh, is some part sometimes taking part in the after dark portion of the museum that you work at, mm-hmm. and that's really fun because you get to watch people go from like being interested in science to just being really drunk and trying to figure out a puzzle. Yeah, the after dark yeah. stuff is always uh, is always a real treat for me to discover in the morning. I've only been to like one or two ever. Uh, but the next day, it's like, well, let's see, some drunk person climbed on top of this, and some yeah. drunk person was pouring beer in a dinosaur's mouth. Or it's a very uh, different demographic than we have during our normal nine to five hours. But that's a fun thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've our favorite one is the Halloween one because then people are also in costumes, and that's just a real treat to see someone dressed like Fred Flintstone. That's like super intoxicated, and they're just spilling beer all over like a thing where a ping pong ball shoots out of a tube or something (laughs) yeah yeah it's always it's always real um and we've been very lucky that none of the damage done has been like super serious like there's been sure like there's been damage to exhibits that are like our uh diplomatic crises uh so like if an artifact from another country that's in at a museum gets damaged by some you know uh inebriated buffoon then it's like it creates this whole ripple effect of stuff. So like, I wouldn't expect the uh, terracotta warriors to be traveling that right. much ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Uh, I just have a few. I have um, after the world ends. This is uh, this was part of the Marauder pack from Severin. It's just post-apocalyptic art. It's nothing too in-depth, but my goodness, I love all the the artwork for these and these films do hold a special place in my heart. And then I have another art book, which is um, Ghoulish, the art of Gary Poland. Uh, it's really fantastic. It's just a collection of, of art, um, really nice horror stuff. A couple of quotes on the back from Guillermo de Toro and Phil Noble Jr. Um, yeah, those are just, apparently I don't like words, just art right now. So that's what, 
Well, that's amazing. Like what, what is the, uh, it's like the post-apocalyptic art. It's like, it's not just capturing like specific imagery, but it's also capturing like kind of like a texture, like a, like a moment, a situation. Yeah. And, uh, I like that. Like all of the, all of the weapons of the apocalyptic future oh, all yeah. seem to be like made out of liquid. It's like, everything is like liquid chrome. Yeah. Like everything is like flowy and pointy. It's yeah. They're my favorite one. One of them is warriors of the wasteland. And it's just like, I love the movies because they, they make things futuristic by welding stuff on motorcycles, but the weapons themselves are rarely futuristic. Like Fred right. Williams in that one has like a bow and arrow and the arrows explode. And you're like, wait, what? I don't, you know, that's, and it, man, if you give me a guy with one of those tiny, like uh, crossbows on his wrist, I'm, I'm done. Like that's, that's all I needed. Well, now I know what you're getting for Christmas. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, which brings us to video games. I don't even know if you play video games. I do. Oh, um, great. So a little bit, you know. Um, boy, I don't play a lot of video games. Though. Yeah. Uh, but I just finished like a week or two ago, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce this, Ghost of Tsushima, the Sam- Samurai. Samurai. Yeah, I've seen it. Haven't played it. It's a big game. Yeah. Uh, it feels a lot like uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, uh, okay. if you're familiar with that at all. Uh, except that you're actually hacking people to death sure. uh, with the samurai sword, and of course the big the big uh, tension in the story is this island off the coast of Japan. It's been invaded by the Mongol army, and they've taken over everything. And there are no samurai left, and you're basically the only samurai left on the island. And you have to ra- wage a guerrilla warfare against the Mongols to oh claim your island, uh, which means that in de- doing so you have to break certain samurai codes of confrontation because samurai are supposed to come at you straight on they're not supposed to sneak around or okay you in the back but your character uh has to make some difficult choices as to whether or not he's going to really go after the mongols or if he's going to fight with the samurai because they aren't the same thing right you gotta use some ninja tactics that's right yeah hmm. interesting yeah. i'll check that out uh, I haven't really been playing anything either. I'm just kind of in a holding pattern for games that come out in like October and November. Uh, but I was playing the beta for Back for Blood, which is the same as Left for Dead. They both have four in the name. I don't know why. It's like, I mean, it's like the same zombie game. I don't know what the difference is really. There's just zombies. And then there's a couple like like three alternate ones, like one spit stuff, one has a big arm, one uh, mm-hmm. explodes. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of fun. The um, the voice acting is definitely the worst the worst part of those oh. games because they just say the same things over and over. Like you shoot your friend, and they're like, "Hey, watch it!" And you're like, it's, "There's zombies every." I can't. I'm gonna shoot you. It's just what's gonna happen. Right. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And then I'm waiting on Aliens Fire Team. Is the next game I want to play? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I've been. What what uh, what system is that on? Ooh, uh, I'm on the PS5, so PS5. yeah, but I think it's I think it's cross-platform. Okay, yeah, that looks interesting. Yeah, I've, I've been a big fan of uh, Aliens and Alien as a concept for video games. I really enjoyed, and I still haven't finished because it's so freaking difficult uh, playing Alien Isolation. I've only YouTube it. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, like the the intelligence of that game is incredible. It's like you don't. You, you press like the select menu or whatever, like you're not freezing time. Like yeah. The alien's still looking for you. Oh, yeah. Like you're just staring at your like doodad while this thing is going to kill you. Yeah. Anyway, Alien Isolation is an amazing game, uh, but also extremely frustrating because yeah. it's so intense. Yeah. Did you ever play uh, Dead Space? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I loved that. 
because you have that welding tool, you don't actually have like a wep- like a gun. And so right. it's just yeah. like, it, it was so insane. Just the, and the intense nature of that game. I would just scream and my wife would like laugh in the kitchen because I was just <laughs> visibly terrified. It's pretty fun. Oh man. Yeah, the first time the alien killed me in Alien Isolation, like I was doing this cat and mouse thing with the alien for like 45 minutes. Oh man. And this was like around evening time. So like I was too in the game to turn the lights on. So right. I'm sitting yes. in the dark. Yes. And then like after 45 minutes, the alien finally kills me. And I was just like exasperated. I just like threw the controller. I'm like sweating. Like I couldn't believe it. It was it was so intense. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that could match that for me was uh, this game called Remnant from the Ashes. And people describe it kind of like Dark Souls, but with guns, I guess. I never played Dark Souls, but it's like, it's really challenging. The The maps are randomly put together. So like my game's completely different from my friends on the same level and where things are hidden are completely different. The bosses are random. So you don't know which boss you're going to get. And then there's mm-hmm. like alt kills for the bosses. There's just so much going into it but figuring out the bosses there would be like three nights where we did not progress and you're just like it's so it was so frustrating and then when you finally do and your brain gets that little hit of like you did it like it's just then you're like oh i get i get why people get so sucked into this kind of stuff (laughs) but but the the no mobility for a couple nights is is pretty soul-sucking yeah which brings us to music anything in the music realm that you're currently enjoying right now you know, uh, I am working in the garage a lot and I've gotten it to a point. So I've got, a, I bought some new tools and I'm going into a season where I'm going to be ripping an engine apart and building it back together again. And that required its own playlist. So I've been putting together and listening to quite a bit of ZZ Top recently because oh, that's like appropriate for a garage kind of moment. Right. So I've been listening to a lot of ZZ Top. Lovely. I love yeah. that. I uh, just got a compilation called Permanent Vacation 7. Uh, every couple of summers, it seems like this label puts out one of these comps. It's, it's just like electronic music. It's mostly instrumental. It feels very retro, Italian, disco, like down-tempo electronic stuff. It's just nice because it blends into the background. Like if you're writing something and you don't need someone's vocals distracting you from a thought, like it's, a, mm. it's an excellent choice. Um, and then the only other thing is uh, Scorn. I've been a lifetime Scorn fan, and he just put out a new album that's just really dark, dub, down tempo stuff that's grimy. It's great for if I have a lot of things to do where I just need some type of soundtrack, but you know, I still want to have a narrative going in my head of like, sure. what, what guests am I going to have on, or whatever it's going to be. Um, that's pretty much that. Which brings us to television anything in the world of television that you're currently enjoying? Yeah, so uh, just finished watching The Nick uh, from Steven Soderbergh, Clive Owen. Oh, I don't know uh, this. You don't know The Nick? No. Okay, so The Nick is um, short for the Knickerbocker, which is a hospital in New York around the turn of the 20th century, so 1900, 1901. Okay. And Clive Owen is a sort of maverick surgeon who's figuring all these procedures out for the very first time. So... Uh, when someone goes to a hospital, like back in the day, mostly they just didn't come home. Like they're just in the hospital and they're oh, dead. Um, and uh, Clive Owen's character is working desperately, feverishly to save lives. But that means a lot of experimentation. So it is a 
semi-historical drama. It's uh, lots of character developments. Uh, it's like a it's like a very gory Mad Men. Think of it that way. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, loved it. Like watched first couple episodes. Just got right into it. Unfortunately, only two seasons ever came of it. You know, they're all directed by Steven Soderbergh. Huh. And uh, really well made, really interesting characters, really great uh, like music. Uh, strangely, it's a very modern, modern soundtrack for a very old show. Weird. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen the Nick, I recommend it. Where would if I you find want, that? like a? Uh, we were watching it on HBO Max. I think it's a, it's either Showtime or Cinemax Network. So whatever that gets. So we were watching it on Amazon. Okay, cool. <laughs> I only have. Virgin River, which is on Netflix, which is like a lifetime movie that just never ends. It's uh, it's something that we just found. My wife and I, a lot of times in the evenings, if I'm not watching a movie, we're just looking for something to be on in the background. And so it's mm-hmm. like, because we're both on our laptops, it's when she answers business emails and I'm doing the same thing. And, and so we put on Virgin River and it really is like, it's like, very low stakes like nothing's really happening people are like Mm -hmm. almost dating you know it's like and it just i don't know how many seasons there are i feel like we've had it on for a month and it is never apparently going to end (laughs) but yeah i don't know who any of the characters are i don't know names i have no idea what's happening in it but if you're looking for that kind of thing virgin river on netflix all right virgin river (laughs) which brings us to movies uh any films you've seen currently Aside from once, of course, for a solid six. Yeah, so we've been on this kind of like, uh, well, two of them I'll, I'll bring up. Uh, we've been on this like vigilante kick recently. We've been watching all these vigilante movies. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think because of the, the sort of prime wave or whatever that Portland is involved in right now. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, we watched, uh, what was it? Magnum Force. Yes. And then uh, Punisher Warzone. Super good. And, and then made back around to what we thought we were going to watch, which was Death Wish 3. Oh, and yeah. uh, just watched that. Um, all the, they're all directed by Michael Winner. I had no idea. <laughs> He's, yeah, is, it's quite a run. Yeah. And uh, Death Wish 3 is, you know, I haven't finished the whole series, so I can't compare them all yet. But uh, at one point, Charles Bronson is just like mowing down a group of people with like a, an actual machine gun. Yeah. There's like bikers and street punks just all over the street, just getting wasted by a machine gun. And is lots that, of... Is hmm. that the one that has the uh, the rocket launcher, or is that four? It does, it does have a rocket launcher. Okay, okay. And it's also the one where the, the street punks have this, like, mm, sort of vaguely Nazi-inspired imagery painted on their faces. <laughs> yes. Uh, is this so the one where he, he puts a board with nails sticking through it underneath a windowsill? Okay, yes. That's this the is one. the one I've seen the most. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's a point where it really transitions from like this neighborhood's in chaos and Charles Bronson is going after these guys one at a time. And then it just like erupts into like full street warfare. Yeah. yeah. Like, like grandma and grandpa are coming out the door with like their pistol going to shoot at the bad guys down the street. And like there's this like mayhem. There's helicopters. There's cars exploding. It's like just actual warfare. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun stuff. That's really good. That's it's very fun. The that series really it takes some turns for sure. Uh, yeah. I I just watched the new movie, The Suicide Squad. Have you seen that well, you one? Did. No, not yet. Not, like it looks like a lot of fun. I uh, had looks... a lot of fun. I have zero uh, dogs in the fight as far as the comic book or the 
authenticity of characters. I'm definitely in the minority. I think my wife and I find Harley Quinn difficult to stomach, um, <laughs> but people really love it. Uh, I just thought it was it was very fun. And, you know, my wife wanted me to turn it off pretty much at, right away. The second she realized it was a superhero movie, she's like, no. And I said, let's give it a chance because it's James Gunn and we love Slither. And so, you know, once the humor kicked in, she was like, she was great. You yeah. Know? So I, I recommend it for for that reason. And who doesn't love a good chuckle? And I hear there's uh, trauma references that there's like a Lloyd Kaufman and like some trauma stuff kind of stitched in. There. I mean, people say that because of his history with trauma, but. I mean, I don't think, I mean, if you watch Troma's War and you watch this, I don't think you're going to be like, there's some connective tissue. It's just like, it's gory. Mm. It has crass humor, but it's not the level of depravity of trauma. I mean, you know, that's just, that's insane. <laughs> you know, like, let's wait and see Toxic Avenger, the new one, and see if that's mm. like, has anything trauma left in it. Um, I don't know, but you do get to see Lloyd and he's in one shot very briefly, just like in Guardians of the Galaxy. And the mm. fact that James brought him into one of the biggest films of all time, you know, that's just like the coolest thing in the world to me. I love when people bring their uh, their mentors along for the ride. So yeah. yeah, that's fun. And then I recently, because I was excited about the casting of John Wick 4, I watched 2 and 3, which I had never seen before. I have not seen 3. I have seen 2. Uh, I remember it kind of taking like kind of an interesting twist with like the world building and like yeah. the coins and like all the different like middle class employees of like the assassin yes. economy. Yeah. Um, uh, I will say two being my least favorite, uh, three being my most favorite. Uh, it's it the where three goes is I think like so I think what they're doing is what the expendables tried to do by being like here's all these great action stars but like they're all kind of too old to really do cool stuff mm -hmm. whereas in john wick they're bringing in all these very talented martial artists and stuff and they're really giving them something to do so I the see. fight scenes are very kinetic and interesting um i recently had a guest on who spent two years in thailand kickboxing and and he's really been sort of uh, igniting this passion in me to catch up on on action films and these fighting mm. films and stuff because I get very <laughs> I get very nervous with close combat I get very sweaty if someone's got like a knife or people are fighting I'm just not a confrontational person and so sure, it's, sure. I'll like stand up and in the like, I can't sit down it's just very um, intense one of my favorites that just came out was called Hydra I don't know if you saw Hydra it was just on Hiya, and now it's it's on streaming. You could rent it, I think, on any platform. But it's like about a one of those. Uh, it's a killer that works in a restaurant, and he's retired. But then something happens, and it has two fight scenes in it, which I've never seen something like this before. Where it what they're doing is so intense that they're not landing punches and kicks. Uh, it's like they are playing this intense physical game of chess where just if one of them makes a mistake, the fight's over. And that oh, wow. sort of like high stakes is like endlessly fascinating to me. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it. But, uh, but I had to buy it and own it because it was one of those things where I'd rented it three times and I was like, or I watched it three times in high. Uh, I was like, I just, I should just own this thing. But, um, but I, I really recommend that. And then I yeah, watched it's called Hydra. Hydra. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. And then uh, Chronicles of the Ghostly Tribe, which is a Chinese 3D action adventure film. Uh, 
it's wild. Yes, your shaking of the head is one hundred percent correct. I'm just I'm, I'm processing the title of the movie to try to like imagine what that could possibly be. Yes, I have no idea what this movie is about, but it takes turns that like like suddenly there'll just be all of these like wolf creatures stalking people in the desert. And it's like, you like creatures. So I figure this will be interesting. There's a part with a dragon where I'm like, I don't even know what this is about. Honestly, I did fast forward through a lot of the talking, but the special effects were really cool. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't think people are really going to see this in the States because of the strange name. Um, but it's, it's a, I love action adventure from around the globe. I just think it's very interesting to see how they took like, in some ways, like Indiana Jones type things, and then transpose it into their cultures. It's very fun. And then the last one I want to mention, oh, I have two. The Unthinkable, which is a Swedish film. Um, it's really good. It starts out like a family drama and then descends into like something is happening. It could be aliens. It could be like a harsh takeover with machine guns. There's lots of uh, helicopter crashes in this movie. It really goes places. And I don't think anyone in the States is going to watch this Swedish film because it has terrible key art. It just looks mm. bad, but it's actually really well acted. The special effects are fantastic. And, um, and it really it makes some choices. So yeah, the unthinkable. And then last, we just watched the Valve documentary did you see the val kilmer movie? oh my god the val yeah holy yes. smokes yeah that's incredible wow although you are talking to the wrong solid six member on that one because allison would have a lot to say oh okay that. interesting but yes i have seen the val we just finished it last night and man that is that's incredible it's a wild ride and like it's still a developing story like there's still more coming out yeah oh, i'm excited for val too yeah <laughs> i don't know how they would come up with a better name for that <laughs> But uh, that brings us to the late return section. And we're taking a look back at Redline from 1997. Uh, was this a first time watch for you? Oh, yes. Okay, yes, yes. Perfect. Uh, it's directed by Tibor Takix, who did The Gate, Gate 2, and Madman Eye. Um, he's a director that I really love the visual style that he chooses. I think it gives his films a lot, even if what he's working with is like a micro budget. He's done a bunch of stuff like killer rats and things like that recently i think working with maybe asylum or sci-fi pictures or i'm not sure exactly but his 90s stuff is is more my interest it stars rooker hauer mark dacascus uh it's the least talked about rooker hauer in a cool coat movie i think <laughs> because, i suppose like split second or yeah. cross worlds or omega doom or yes those. yes yeah. thank yeah. you people yeah. like if you picture rooker hauer chances are he's wearing a coat like it's just that's where it goes like it. Yeah. yeah i mean even in blind fury it's more of like a, a, a light jacket but you know it's still his coat work is amazing and especially the uh, distance <laughs> the distance of his collars is really intense right it's kind of it gets higher and higher i wish one of his last films was just like over the head just yeah just massive vampire collar just see his eye like peeking out <laughs> just that's muffled, it muffled voice Oh man, that's really great. Uh, any any initial thoughts for for Redline? Uh, you know, my like early on in the movie, uh, I was trying to establish like what kind of sci-fi this was going to be, <laughs> and <laughs> I, you know, uh, my initial impressions were what they what they call like a diesel punk kind of thing, ah. where it's like a sort of technology from like the mid twentieth century, but then like pushed forward because you know a lot of like the yeah. Like, oh, I'm dreaming or I'm awake now stuff is all done with like disassembled telephones. Yeah. But the early part where there are two, not just one, 
but two mi-24 hind helicopters landing in unison i was like yes. okay well that's that's kind of impressive yeah. because it's not like they, those are those are the real deal helicopters landing side by side that was an incredible shot i was yeah. impressed with that as well as the um what was that cronenberg movie uh, dead ringers yes like the surgery yeah. scene where everyone's in red yeah. like the big hats like, yeah are they are they cooking a salad or like what's, right. what's going on here because I mean, they've definitely seen some movies is what i thought when you're yeah. watching redline is you're like oh oh you're fans of film like you you guys have seen all these things yes right i mean for a film from 1997 and something where i wasn't really taking notes i have three pages of notes on this film because it was just like Every choice, I'm like, well, that's, yeah, that's the interesting choice to make, you know? It's just, I had down two combat helicopters. That's that's definitely one of the things. Um, wires in people's heads, like, they're very into that. Like, Johnny Mnemonic, Strange Days sort of thing is happening for a bit in this film because then it just is never addressed again. Like, it's so heavy in the beginning, and then it's just like, yeah, we've moved on from that. Like, that's... Yeah, there's- there's a lot of non sequiturs because there's like this whole like corruption theme and then there's like the technology thing. And then there's like a revenge plot. And then I'm thinking like this girl keeps showing up. Is this like a clone thing or is it all a dream? Like, where is this going to go? Yeah. There's great wig work to match Rutgers coat work. I mean, it's, it's really great. I thought the battle bot in the beginning was like a surprisingly good effect for 1997 for a small budget action film where it's like floating around. And I mean, he, he does shoot it with a rocket launcher and that gets a little dicey, but uh, I did, I was surprised. It's like, it's not quite Robocop level, but for what they had, I think it's, it's very interesting. And then the, yeah, the double helicopter, um, the identity, identity checker tool was one of my favorite pieces of, of, um, technology where they walk up to the two once worker and the lady have been shot they walk up and she's this lady has like it's somewhere between just a shovel and maybe a metal detector oh right. she like puts it on one of them and she says their identity and i was like well that's that's science right there that is very futuristic and the guy just like flamethrowers are like right on the spot yeah. like, no, <laughs> we're, like no need to take evidence they're like we're not gonna like get this out of this airfield or whatever let's just, let's just burn this body right now come on yeah, and then they take Rooker to the Cybernator, which I was like, great name, perfect name. Yeah, to yeah. resurrect him, which is a weird thing. Uh, and then we get the great scene where Mark Dacascus, uh double kicks a dude from standing. He just double kicks him and then cuts his fingers off and shoves him in his mouth. <laughs> right, and then the guy's guards come in and he's like, is everything okay? Yeah, he's <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's fine. <laughs> so weird. Go away. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, then we get the weird train station kids where they're just like, like Rooker, like needs some money or something, or he had, I don't know what he's trying to buy painkillers. I think is the, oh, thing. that's right. And they still have wires in their heads. Yes. too. They got the suction cups on the head. They got the suction cups. It's called Dino Jack and it's made in the USA. And we get like a mini commercial because they've definitely watched Robocop as well. <laughs> yeah. A little. Yeah. It's pretty great. But then Rooker goes to buy a cool ass future gun from a priest with drugs and cash. And then he tests it by just shooting statues in the church. Again, it's fine. This is just typical <laughs> Russian behavior. It's totally fine. The weird thing about um, this film, I really think is uh, Tibor's like his visual flair because this thing, like the reason that I chose it is like, it shouldn't look as good as it looks. And even the version that's on YouTube, like the cinematography and the lighting for this, like it's like, 
it's like he was going for a Blade Runner like level of film, you know, with like mm. very small budget. But like if you look at that church scene or any of the parts where Rooker's walking around, even in the train station, there's like a really cool kind of dolly shot that happens where it's it it's just so unnecessary. Like if you're doing yeah. a direct to DVD action film, the level of care that he put into trying to craft this very odd science fiction movie, I just think like you know, it's a bummer that more people don't even know it exists, really. I would have to agree. Like, he definitely put a lot of effort, a lot of elbow grease into making this thing. And, uh, like, yeah, the cinematography, as well as, like, all these scenes. Like, there's all these scenes with all these extras. Yes. Most of whom are topless. But there's tons of so scenes. Many. Different situations. Like, somebody's, like, really putting a lot of work. Like, whoever the, the assistant director was or the second unit, like, who's, like, coordinating all this, like, circus to make yeah. this sh this show happen like it was uh it was a lot of work when it made this movie yeah and then they're just done with the future stuff like there's a certain point in the movie where they're just like okay so we're done with that now it's just guns and uh right. and then rooker has a sex dream um which is really interesting <laughs> because he's so much older than the women in these scenes that are yeah it's it's intense and then there's the bathroom fight we get techno boxing. There's so many cocktails in this movie that I had to have a drink afterwards. So just a warning for anyone in recovery. This is not a film for you. Everyone's, drink. everyone's drinking a Negroni, like in every scene. Uh, one of my favorite scenes being the topless hallway boxer. <laughs> yeah, like what, what was she doing prior to that? Like what was the in-story reason for her just being there? It's not a gym. They're in a hallway and they're yeah. like working out. It's like, it's so crazy. And it's only topped by a fully naked person that comes out and attacks him next. Like, it's just what oh, a oh, yeah. weird. She's like grappling him completely nude. Uh, it's really wild. And then uh, there's a sex scene that they cut from and come back to, which just tells you that's too long. It's too, it's too long of a sex scene. Yeah, it was a long sex scene. Was that the one where it's like the dream within a dream? I think so. Because he, he puts on the headset and he takes it off and then he, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think that's maybe later. I'm not even sure. Uh, what else do I have down? Um, homeless Assassins. That's always a fun thing. That's also in John Wick. Yeah, the it's, it's like you press the button and you got like these like dial an assassin and then like they're, they're subcontracting out. And yeah. Like everyone's trying to kill you. It's, for the promise of money yeah it's so wild uh when they're running around on the roof and then they shimmy down a drain pipe while people oh, are yeah. shooting machine guns at them it's just yeah like, yeah what yeah and at some point i think like the stuntman like really took a flop because like he's uh, he really yes went down that that pipe so i hope he's okay yeah wherever he is. it's like a little too fast and there's no retake so i mean yeah yeah so he's dead now yeah he's he's probably dead he died in redline doing what he loved uh there's a techno club with topless people in it i've been in a lot of techno clubs never seen topless people but they're in this movie uh there's a lot of like film noir double talk in this as well which is another thing where i was like oh this is there's like levels to this thing that's so bizarre um but one of my favorite lines was the car was a gift from a high-ranking official how high don't worry he's dead remind me not to go into politics like i just love that back and forth of like mm -hmm. that's not how anyone talks ever no one talks like that yeah <laughs> um we get mark dacascus 
belly licking for a long time in one scene where like the lady is seducing oh, yeah. him so that Rooker Hauer, we don't see it, but scales the side of a building. And uh, and he's Mark DeCosta's just licking her belly for for a long time. There were probably some rules in that scene with what could happen there. And I think he has to like lay down the sauce somehow. Right. They can't actually show that much. I don't know what's going on there. Like why the difference with the way that this woman is being treated as opposed to all the other women in the rest of the movie. She wouldn't sign the nudity clause. That's what happened. She's like, I'll do belly work. That's it. Make it work. And Mark's like, okay, well, yes, I'll make it work. Uh, There's so many double crosses in this movie. That's like, it's it's astounding and then my next <laughs> note is amazing frumpy henchmen the henchmen in this movie every single one of them looks like they're from tim and eric like it's just like like a weird frumpy guy and a couple different layers of clothing with like a goatee that's like shit <laughs> like it's so bizarre you can only acquire that level of frumpiness like in mother russia yes. that's that's where you have to go you have to go straight to the source if you want those frumpy henchmen <laughs> You got to pick them off the tree. Yeah, that's and true. And that's what they did. That's a good point. And they also are always looking like they're not sure quite what's happening. Like they, it's a, it's definitely maybe a language barrier or something because they just have their hands in front of themselves and they're just kind of looking from side to side. Like, are we filming? What is happening here? What's, Waiting to get shot. Yeah. Am I getting paid? How is this? Uh, then we get the final money drop. And then they're on a train with an old woman who looks just like Roy Orbison. That was my big takeaway from the ending is I was just like, is that Roy Orbison? Um, I don't think it was, but, uh, but, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was the statues in this movie. It's crazy. They're just these huge statues. I don't know if this is an actual place in Russia or. Yeah. Yeah. Statuary park. I don't know exactly where it's at, but if you've seen the movie Goldeneye, the James Bond movie, I didn't see the opening of GoldenEye is also in the same park. So basically, you know how like last year we're all ripping down old like Confederate statues? Yeah. Well, in the fall of the Soviet Union, they basically collected all the fallen statues and put them in a park. Oh. And that's where that. And some are upright like they're supposed to be and some are just laying on their side. So that is the place. Wow. That's a real place. What a terrifying park that would be in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. But that brings us to the end of Redline. Do you have any final thoughts for this 1997 gem? You know, I do agree with your overall uh, overall notion that the director did put a ton of work into this. A lot, yeah. I wish the story made a little more sense because it seems to be flip-flopping around as to what kind of movie it's trying to be. Absolutely. And instead, it's like five to eight different movies all competing against each other. Yes. And... For me, there was that confusion aspect really undermined some of the more interesting scenes. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you really love Rucker Hauer, uh, go for it. Yeah. Uh, if you love just like oddball, like mm, semi cyberpunk, diesel punk sci fi <laughs> from the mid 90s, directed video, go for it. Yeah, I agree. I think you could do far worse. Um, but if those actors, or if you like Tibor's T- other films like The Gate and, uh, and I'm Madman, then I think it's it's totally worth checking out. I don't, it's not on Blu-ray. It's, it's I know it's on DVD because I own it, but uh, but yeah, uh, I think I think Redline is is worthy of going up uh, with um, you know, like Wanted Dead or Alive, something like that. I just watched that. Oh, great! <laughs> I, I just watched that, and um, what a grim finish! Like, yes. What a weird, like what, very grim. It's like you think this movie is going to be like cobra or something like that but right. no, no no it's not the co- the cover makes you think it's gonna be 
Yeah, it's he, a very glossy, very sexy cover. He looks so cool in it. And then you watch it, and you're kind of like, ah, geez. Okay. Yeah. He's an interesting actor. It's, uh, you know, from where he was in like Blade Runner to then being this like weird action star. Like, why, why did we all hold on to that idea of like, yeah, this guy? Because you look at him and you're like, that's not an action star. But there it is. Yeah, he's he's a very curious, uh, like captivating face on yeah. camera. And he went through like some kind of period. I don't know what happened in 1988, but like after 1988, his production of films just goes through the roof. Like he instead oh, of yeah. being like one or two movies a year, he's doing like five, six, eight, twelve movies a year. Yeah. It's it's bananas how many movies he was doing after like the mid to late eighties. Yeah, he's lucky it was pre-internet because otherwise he'd be scrutinized like Nicolas Cage when people are like, how many movies is he doing? Oh, Nicolas Cage. It's like, I don't know. You just be happy that he's got right. work. He's I don't working. know. Jeez, yeah. so rough. Ah, Well, that brings us to the end of new releases and late returns. Uh, Josh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for watching Redline. Uh, I really appreciate it. I really enjoy Solid Six podcasts, and I hope that uh, anyone listening that doesn't already listen goes and subscribes and uh, and a five star review because you know your co host Allison and Bradley really deserve it. Very good. Thank Very you. good. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, Dirk. I'll let I'll let uh, Borby know all about that. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, until next time, I'm Dirk Marshall, and this has been new releases and late returns from VH Us. <laughs>